the following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Your discretion is advised. Rock, rock, rock and Hey kids, it's time for another episode of Hypocrisy Box, where we point out right-wingers' logical flaws, double standards, and general hypocrisy. These days, they're really mad because some recent lawsuit verdicts they claim are a violation of their right to free speech. I guess they forgot this basic lesson. Speech is free, but lies can be expensive. And if your lies cause damage, you might have to pay for false attacks that are hurtful and offensive. There are rules about what you are allowed to say. Speech is free, but we have legislation giving consequences every time you do slander, libel, or public defamation so the people you made suffer get to sue. When you're playing with the facts so fecklessly, inventing things recklessly for clicks and applause, the victims of harassment speech can litigate in order to mitigate the real damage that you cause. Speech is free, but with a legal moderator, there are limitations that you just can't breach, like yelling fire in a packed theater or instructing folks to riot in a speech. If you're a public figure with a following and fans who are swallowing the nonsense you claim, when conspiracies and crap you toss out lazily make them act crazily, it turns out your words are to blame. So please don't screech, all outraged and defensive, about how you've been canceled as your rights we chuck. There's still free speech, but lies can be expensive, so if you don't want to pay out your last buck, don't be a rude, unlawful, crude, god-awful schmuck. Oh, yeah. We don't turn the video off just yet. It's Lauren here with a very quick reminder that if you're enjoying these weekly videos, I hope you consider supporting through my Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, which is less than half the cost of a latte, you'll get bonus content as well as the satisfaction that you're helping me continue to put these videos out, helping everybody laugh at the news. And these days, don't we all need more laughter? Yes. Thanks. Yes, we do, Lauren Mayer. Yes, we do. Uh, Lauren Mayer getting us started today. How did that end? I got uh, um, uh, to get those last words. Hold on, because it was such a great little um, uh, run on them. So if you don't want to pay out your last buck, don't be a rude, unlawful, crude, god-awful schmuck. Yeah, I was playing the bell throughout, you know, when it needed a little bit of emphasis. <laughs> I help out how I can. Uh, welcome to a Wednesday. We're at the midway point of the week. And what a week this has been, oh my goodness. I, I'm going to have to pull this stuff over to this computer because I got loads of sound and video to play. Uh, Lisa Graves will be joining us shortly. For those of you who don't know Lisa Graves, where have you been? Um, Lisa is an old friend and she's just, she's wonderful. She's brilliant, uh, 
and and just you know has the resume to back up being a legal pundit. She was a deputy assistant attorney general under two administrations, the um, uh, Clinton and W administrations. She she worked under Janet Reno and John Ashcroft. Go figure. Um, and she worked at the Senate Judiciary Committee in nominations. You know, she's been around, so she knows her way around this stuff. And um, Lisa Graves is the founder and executive director and editor at truenorthresearch.org. And they do great work exposing people like the Koch brothers and Leonard Leo and, you know, those dark money bad people, <laughs> to put it bluntly. And today I thought, you know, it would be nice to get Lisa's take on, on what, you know, the legal perils for the former guy. Um, uh, so, and including a ruling that came down today from the judge in the New York civil fraud trial for which closing arguments begin tomorrow. And Donald Trump had asserted time and again that he was going to speak at the closing arguments. He was going to, you know, deliver what his, his lies and talking points, you know, that's how it goes with him. Um, but, and actually I had the, um, I had the actual uh, uh, letter written to uh, Donald Trump's lawyers from the judge that said, and of course, I, I, I'm sure I didn't, I didn't pull it. Oh, of course I, oh, I did. Yay. I love it when I do the, when I, when I do what, what I, what I'm supposed to do. Uh, in this case, I did. Um, from the honorable Arthur and Goran, the judge, to Chris Kyes, uh, Trump's lawyer, and a, a slew of other people who are Trump's legal team, I guess. And it's dated today. And it says, Dear Mr. Kyes, not having heard from you by the third, third extended deadline, noon today, by the way, this was sent at 12, 12 p.m. So 12 minutes later, I assume that Mr. Trump will not agree to the reasonable lawful limits I have imposed as a precondition to giving a closing statement above and beyond those given by his attorneys, and that, therefore, he will not be speaking in court tomorrow. As I previously indicated, this email chain will be docketed on NYSCEF, that's, I guess, the courts, whatever, to preserve your appellate rights. So, yeah, you know, you can file an appeal if you want, but, uh, you know, he had three deadlines, three extended deadlines to do this. Donald Trump just says things, I guess, to uh, to make noise, to be a, um, to, to stir things up. And he never, probably never intended to speak. So, That happens tomorrow, and you know he'll make a mockery of it, just like he did today. But before we get to today, let's talk about yesterday, which we did talk about a bit yesterday with Digby. And if you missed that show, well, go find it in the archives. Um, uh, No paywall here, so go listen, and hopefully if you enjoy what you hear, you will uh, help out and support the program. Anyway, yesterday it was the appeal... um, on absolute immunity. So now we've talked about this before. 
Donald Trump is claiming that because he was once president, that he has absolute immunity for life. You cannot do anything to him. You can't prosecute. You certainly can't arrest him, but you can't prosecute him because he was once president. And his lawyer, such as he is, actually went and um, uh, it, it said that Donald Trump could... I guess, shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. He didn't use that example. He was asked by one of the three judges who heard the case, the, the appeal in this hearing on uh, yesterday, um, who brought up the hypothetical and said, well, could so are you saying that, that a president could order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate his or her political opponent And unless he's been impeached and convicted by the House and the Senate, um, that he can't be tried. And um, I I, I think I think this is the clip. No, that's Donald Trump. Hold on. Where's his lawyer, his lawyer, his lawyer? Um, (laughs) This. Oh, this must be it. Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act in order to seal Team Six. Yeah. He, he would have to be and would speedily be, you know, uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal <laughs> what prosecution. If you weren't, what if he weren't? There would be no criminal prosecution, no criminal liability for that. Chief Justice's opinion in Marbury against Madison and uh, uh, and our constitutional tradition and the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause all clearly presuppose that what the founders were concerned about was not. I asked you a yes or yes or no question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Could a she president did. who ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached, would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first. And so, so your answer is, is, no. is My answer is qualified, yes. She, he would not say, he said only if the president were impeached and convicted th- could then the criminal justice system step in and prosecute him. Um, that's not what the law says, but you know, I'm not a lawyer, so we will check in with Lisa Gray's when she gets here. So that happened yesterday. Today was a hearing in the house oversight committee, you know, that circus in which, um, uh, Jim Comer, I think his first name is Jim, um, runs the oversight committee. Thank goodness Jamie Raskin is the ranking Democrat on the committee because at least someone with some brains was there. I have a whole wall full of clips from this thing today that was such an embarrassment. But if I had to sum it up in one line, it would come from Nancy Mace. You have no balls. You have no balls. She was talking to Hunter Biden. Seriously, listen to this. Mr. Chairman, uh, Chairman Comer, um, first of all, my first question is who brought Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. What is um, Second question, you are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the oversight committee, spitting in our face, ignoring spitting a congressional subpoena to be what? deposed. What? what are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up <laughs> here. And- Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman, um, if the lady recognizes, if the general lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Order, order, order. Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Are 
gentleman allowed to speak in order? order? You keep interrupting me. I, I'll interrupt the you chairman. Keep interrupting. I don't know that he's a lady. I think that uh, that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. Our nation is founded on the rule of come law. Come on, come on. And the premise come that on. the law applies to each Okay, so, so that was a bit of how things went this morning. You get the idea? So Hunter Biden shows up. He was not, he didn't have to be there, just like Donald Trump didn't have to be there yesterday. And he claimed that he was pulled off the campaign trail for this year. He didn't have to be there. He showed up because he wanted to be there. Guess what? I don't know that he has to be there tomorrow either as the closing arguments begin in his New York fraud trial. But you know what? Let's bring on someone better informed than I. Lisa Graves is the co-founder or founder, executive director and editor at truenorthresearch.org. She joins us regularly here on the show as a... Uh, speaking on for herself as a private citizen uh, with her many years of legal expertise and bona fides under her belt. Uh, Lisa, you there? Am thanks for having there me on. Are. And thanks for the photo since I've got a bit of a cold here. So thanks, Nicole. No worries. I hang out in my pajamas all day as long as I can, too. And some days, you know, I it's wear true. things. I confess, I confess <laughs> I've got a cold and I'm still in my pajamas. So That's fine. Thanks for you, having me on Pajama Radio. You're in Wisconsin. Look, I'm here in Arizona where today, this morning, oh. it was in the 30s, which is like freezing. But I don't even want to ask what the weather's like in Wisconsin. It's toasty in my house. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've not been. Uh, it's clearly cold since there's snow uh, mm. coming down. So um, that's a sign that it's got to be under 30 somewhere. But how far below, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm so happy for you and your new place, Nicole. And uh, Thanks so much for having me on and happy new year. Happy new year to you too. And it's always great to have you on. I'm so honored that you, you know, you share your expertise and your, your thoughts with us. And in fact, today I mentioned at the top of the show that you would be here and, you know, like clockwork, I see the comments in the chat room. Oh, great. Lisa Graves. She's great. So yeah, we love, we love having you here. Love having you here. So, so I don't even know where to begin. I guess let's start first with yesterday and this absolute immunity hearing. Is there such a thing as absolute immunity for anyone? No, no. (laughs) They short, uh, the short and clear answer is no. No, I didn't think so. So what is, I mean, the argument, I, and I played it again just a minute ago. Yes, I don't have to play it because you've, you've heard it. His lawyer arguing uh, that when he was asked by one of the judges, so a president could order SEAL Team 6 to go assassinate his political opponent and nothing can be done about that? Well, no, if, if he's tried... Uh, if he's impeached and then tried and convicted in the Senate, uh, yes, then then they can press criminal charges. Where did they come up with this? Well, I mean, it, it's just made up. The, there's nothing in the Constitution that gives uh, any president that sort of immunity. It's not even a, a thing that's mentioned in the Constitution. It's it's an, in essence an invention. Um, the idea is an invention and one where. Um, you know, some courts over time have recognized uh, perhaps some limited immunity from certain types of activities when someone is holding office, but then they're expected to face trial after they leave office, if that very rare exception were granted. But uh, one of my uh, friends pointed out that the argument yesterday was occurring on the 
birthday of Richard M. Nixon, oh, God. Uh, who was the person, the president who asserted this really um, extreme notion of if the president does it, it's by definition legal. You mean this? Well, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. It is not illegal. Uh-huh. Right. I, yeah, keep that handy. Done, Nicole. Thank you. <laughs> right I on. Play it again because I stepped on it. Play it one more time. Okay, right, right, right here. Or when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. He actually yeah. said that. And Donald Trump quotes him. Yeah. And that uh, that argument was uh, thoroughly rejected by um, the district court, the D.C. Court of Appeals, the United States Supreme Court, because it's an anathema. It's anathema, to, an anathema to our system of the rule of law for a president to assert that just because he does it, it's legal. Yeah. Um, and this, and this notion by this attorney for Trump that um, in order to prosecute criminally, a president would have to be um, subject to an impeachment finding by the House and then convicted by a Senate. Uh, and we already saw what happened with Trump um, after the violent insurrection where. Um, you know, 30, uh, I think it was 33 Republicans, a minority of the Senate blocked a rightful impeachment conviction of Trump for what he obviously did that would have removed him from, you know, basically expressly forbade him from holding office again by that sort of conviction of impeachment. But the argument that Trump's lawyers made during that impeachment trial was that um, he couldn't be impeached if he hadn't been criminally charged. If he hadn't been if he hadn't been convicted. So now here they're saying, oh, but he can't be he can't be criminally charged if he weren't impeached. So their arguments are, as usual, I think the technical legal term we've discussed before is bullshit. bullshit. Um, and uh, yes. <laughs> and um, and in this instance, you had um, his attorney sort of bending over backwards to in essence, assert uh, a claim about the sequence of events between impeachment and criminal prosecution that are just simply, um, it's just a, a, an, an utter, utterly false uh, description of how the law works, how it's, how it's worked over time. But I think the real significance is this notion that he, in essence, and his lawyers have asserted that he can do anything, that yeah. he cannot be held accountable for anything he's done when he was in office, out of office ever, um, because he was once um, was for a four year period president of the United States. That's not how you're not president for life. Or you're not dictator for life. Um, that's not how our country works. That's not how our constitution works. Just like that old telephone commercial. That's not how any of this works. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just completely wrong. And so we heard it a little bit in the judges. So the way this worked, the um, this is the case, the, the, the immunity uh, hearing appeal, because the first court said no. And so Trump appealed it, as you knew he would. It goes to the D.C. appeals court. Uh, that's the one that that um, uh, Frank uh, Smith tried to. Uh, Jack Smith tried to leapfrog over this appeals court and go directly to the Supreme Court, thinking that it's going to wind up there anyway. The Supreme said, no, we won't. Go, so go to the appeals court. That's what this is. And the first step is the appeals court has, what, 11, 12 judges on it or something? And But the, the way they routinely do it is when it first comes to the court, it's a, it's a three-judge panel who hears it. Right. And that's right. and then they can appeal and say, no, we want an en banc hearing, which means the entire court is that's the next step. 
Uh, that would be the next step. And then the Supreme Court, although the, you know, en banc is rarely granted. So that's sort of a, a procedural request that they could make or they can, um, in essence, you know, await uh, the chance to have the Supreme Court hear it. And, you know, the concern that many have expressed is, um, you know, just how long this whole legal process is taking to hold him accountable yeah. and how he's trying to run out the clock um, in terms of, you know, trying to get elected in order to try to immunize himself and not just immunize himself, you know, falsely, uh, incongruously with the actual constitution, but also, as I think we've discussed before, his really just horrifying, um, ahistorical, um, out, outrageous claims of the things he would do on the first day, like, <sighs> Uh, put troops in the streets and execute uh, their generals um, in our, you know, from our, um, from the Pentagon yeah. and others. It's just like this, this in my, as I, as you know, in my personal capacity, like this man is so undeserving of any position of public trust ever. Um, I, I certainly would not, you know, I don't, I don't think dog catcher is the lowest position. I think it's actually, you know, an important, <laughs> an important role in our society to protect animals. I wouldn't, but I wouldn't appoint him to the lowest, no. the lowest in any right. government garbage commissioner his, <laughs> if yeah, there is such a malice. thing right his malice he is someone who um does not have the character to be entrusted with any power let alone the power of the presidency um given what he's done and what he said and um anyway this immunity issue it's really it's just of course the courts have to entertain his claims uh, consider these arguments but they are um, just out of step with longstanding legal precedents. They're out of step with the plain language of our law. If you were an originalist, uh, a constitutional, uh, you know, person who claimed that they were an originalist um, on the court, some sort of one of these federal society guys, if you were legitimate and consistent, you would also condemn these sorts of claims, as I think Michael Luddig and others have condemned. But it's it's really it's not just. Um, legally wrong, it's actually morally offensive, the types of arguments that they are making. Completely. And the judges, the three judges, there were three women, by the way, who heard it yesterday. Um, just from their questions, it was obvious that they were to be um, very generous here, skeptical of the claims. They were, they pushed back and they, you know, the questions that they asked, I thought were, were perfectly uh, right, you know, spot on. Um, but, but the, the, the fact that they even got this far, I mean, if it was anyone else, wouldn't this just sort of been laughed out of court? Like they'd go, what are you nuts? Go home. Well, I mean, I, I do think that, uh, certainly several of the types of arguments that Trump has made in, or his lawyers have made in a number of cases are the types of things that, you know, would, could be summarily rejected. But I think that um, the courts are trying to make sure that people understand that they are not acting arbitrarily um, or capriciously, that they are hearing the arguments and rejecting them on the merits, you know, fully. Um, I do want to say this, um, the lawyer who, uh, who was, uh, who argued that case for um, Trump, John Sauer is someone who, um, has been, you know, uh, very active in the right wing operations. And in fact, I was surprised that in the coverage about that lawyer who made those arguments that the argument that, um, you know, he could not be uh, uh, charged with with murdering his political opponent if he hadn't been impeached for it. Um, if somehow the, you know, he didn't get a majority, a supermajority to impeach him. Right. This same lawyer, John Sauer, um, was 
um, uh, in a previous role, he was assistant, an assistant Missouri attorney general, assistant attorney general, Missouri, when Missouri was actually tracking the um, uh, periods of patients at a Planned Parenthood clinic in St. Louis. Oh my God. And so the, the right wing health department in Missouri was actually tracking the menstrual cycles of Planned Parenthood patients to try to identify supposed false or failed abortions. Um, that's part of who John Sauer is, that, the lawyer for Trump. That is uh, astounding. Yeah, I mean, that that happens. More, but, you know, yeah, yes. Just FYI. Wow. So he's assembled a crack team of, uh, of uh, law- lawyers to represent him. Uh, I know th- that he had a hard time finding attorneys. So I guess you take what you can get. And what he gets well, are know, the-, I mean, and the, and the, thing, the thing is, is that t- to be fair, you know, Sauer has, um, you know, Harvard, you know, JD, you know, these um, academic accolades. But the positions he's taken in litigation have been, uh, in my view, in my opinion, genuinely repressive. Ah. Yes. Well, uh, I was amazed at his arguments yesterday and the fact that the the judges weren't more, um, you know, stronger in their questioning of him. But they did a great job. I thought they pushed back well and asked good questions like the question about SEAL Team 6. And his response blew my mind because he's, he basically said, yeah, Donald Trump could shoot someone dead on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the equivalent. And, you know, not to get too far astray from the topic at hand, but um, uh, someone uh, I can't think of uh, the person right now because my head's a little cloudy from the cold. But someone pointed out that, in fact, um, when you look at, you know, where Jordan Perry oh, and whoops, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> sorry, hold on. When you look oh, I don't at, know what happened. Oh, there. OK, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> when you when you look at. Um, where, um, you know, Trump was living, you know, in Manhattan and where Jeffrey Epstein's Epstein's uh, mansion was, where these, you know, underage girls, these young young girls were being uh, were subject to this predation, this predatory behavior by, um, you know, an untold number of men. Um, he didn't have to leave Fifth Avenue, basically, to um, to go hang out with uh, with Epstein, although he claims he did nothing wrong. And but I think we have to remember that when uh, Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell was um, arrested, he wished her well. Yes. Um, which is quite astonishing. And in fact, at one point, and this is this has been reported, this is not like a, a Snopes thing that is, you know, a, a deep fake allegation. Jeffrey Epstein actually took credit for introducing Melania to Trump. And so like their relationship, <laughs> the relationship between Epstein and Trump was quite um, lengthy um, and they partied you know, partied would be, I guess, the generous term for it, but they, yes. you know, very active in these same um, party circles in which, uh, you know, there are allegations that, that people were, um, you know, taken advantage of that young, 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 young girls were, yeah. were, were taken advantage of. And, and there's, you know, claims of that in court testimony. You know, I think Trump has said something like, oh, he, you know, he wasn't ever down in, at the island, but he didn't have to go to the island <laughs> to be part of the island mm. of uh, Epstein's world in um, in Palm know, in Beach, Manhattan. Of course, I don't in know. Manhattan I don't know. or in Palm yeah. Beach, either one, because they both had places, you know. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, of course, we don't know what happened. But what we do know is that more than a dozen women have accused Trump of sexual assault, uh, of, of unwanted touching and a lot more. Um, and a court has found that he, in, in fact, with E. Jean Carroll, engaged in an attempted 
physical sexual assault on her. Um, and, you know, in, in the words of, of the New York statute, you know, it did violate the sex crimes. That's right. Um, act, that civil trial. So I'm not saying, you know, we don't know everything about it, but this is a man uh, who has gotten away with um, a lot of abusive behavior, in my opinion. Um, certainly there's been substantial allegations of his misconduct, sexual misconduct toward women um, or crimes and um, and other crimes. You know, we see how many 91 charges that he's facing right now That's right. Uh, for other criminal conduct. So this is a person who is um, desperate, desperate to try to get back in power so he can avoid being held accountable for the evidence that has mounted against him in numerous settings, both criminally and civilly. And that needs to be stressed, Lisa Graves. The fact is, Donald Trump doesn't want to be president to help the country. Have you heard anything about policy from Trump? Have you heard him say what he would do regarding Israel and Hamas? He says nothing about any of that. All he talks about is retribution and how he will go after his political rivals and Joe Biden should be very careful because there's a six year, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is um, I'm drawing a blank on the, the, the you know, how long you can be prosecuted. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the, 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 you know, he, he doesn't talk about policy because he doesn't know shit about policy. And he doesn't care about policy. It, it, well, you know, and, I, and I, I was I, I'll interrupt you just to say he did say something about policy this week, which was also jaw dropping, which was that he hoped the economy tanked. <laughs> that, that he said. But, yeah, but he said that after he said, oh, the economy, the economy is doing well. It's only because it's running off the fumes of what we did. Right. This is after two years of us being told the economy sucks and yeah. um, there's going to be a big recession, which Joe Biden's administration avoided and took this crappy Trump economy that he left us, uh, got us a soft landing and the economy's doing really well. So now Donald Trump says that's because of me. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, you know, he like uh, he is not consistent in any sense of the word, except for in his um, willingness to say anything. Basically, yes. the only consistency is his willingness to say anything to advance his um, ego, to salve his ego, to um, to try to you know gain power, stay in power, get power, have power over their people. Like that is the sort of central defining feature of his approach to the world. So nothing he says has any reality to it for no. the most part. Um, like the, the extent that like there are, you know, I suppose realities, it's basically him confronting reality and trying to pretend it doesn't, it doesn't exist. It's not, it's not, the reality isn't real. And unfortunately he has surrounded himself with, you know, a, a minority of Americans who are willing to um, fall for his lies, hook, line and sinker. It's incredible that they do. Uh, I still, I, I have a, a blank spot. So I, I got, just got to tell you, there's a chance, a chance I might be speaking with some, um, some right wing, not maggot, but a conservative radio show um, about something entirely different. And the thing is, you know, it's like I cringe when I think about doing that, but I, I really, I welcome the opportunity to talk with somebody who is a conservative to find out how that party can embrace someone like a Donald Trump. Doesn't that go against everything they stood for? I mean, Jamie Raskin had a great, great 
um, statement today. And, and, and today was the hearing. Uh, Hunter Biden um, uh, um, um, contempt hearing in the House that he somehow showed up for. Um, but it, but but Jamie Raskin went off. Let me just play a little bit of this because it was so good. One of the uh, one of our colleagues said that uh, there was Trump derangement syndrome, and of course Trump derangement begins with Donald Trump himself. Think? He thinks he has a legal right to assassinate U.S. citizens. Um, he thinks he can grab women by their genitals, although that's not the word yeah. that he used. Uh, he's, he said that if Joe Biden is reelected president, there will be World War II. Um, <laughs> he is obviously deranged and disoriented. But the real Trump derangement syndrome that I see is those people who cannot break from Donald Trump after he's proven himself to be completely and totally unworthy of your support. Because I'm looking at talented, gifted people on the other side of the wow. aisle. Wow. The ones who have not, not really. left Congress in frustration or because they've broken with Donald Trump and clashed with him. But I'm still looking at people who have their wits about them, I think. But you're acting like cult members, like you're sleeping on the basement of a cult, <laughs> listening to tapes all night. And I beg you to get over your Trump derangement syndrome. Thank you very much for yielding, Ms. Brown. Uh, that wasn't even the clip I thought it was. I, and one, he's like, you're being led around by a con man. He's a crook. He's a con man. Wake up. I mean, Jamie Raskin is uh, really one of the great treasures uh, in our national political um, world right yeah. now. He speaks with such clarity um, and, and also with compassion because it really is. It's astonishing. It, it, like, you know, I had I've, you know, having observed Lindsey Graham over the years, I haven't had high hopes for him voting right or doing right. But there was just that flash of a moment, you know, first when Trump was running, when he, you know, called him out for who he was. Yes. And then he quickly got in the fold. And then for four years, he, you know, um, is the technical term kissed his ass. But, you right. know, basically. You mean when, when he first, the first time when he said this? I think he's a kook. I think he's crazy. I think he's unfit for office. I don't believe he's a Republican. His policies are really bad for the country. He's a jackass. And you know how you make America great again? Tell Donald Trump to go to hell. And, and the kicker. Trump is a fucking idiot. So that's Lindsey Graham telling us what he really felt until Donald Trump, what, showed him pictures of Lindsey and drag or si he's got to have something yeah, on we him. Have no, I mean, it, 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 the, the, the turnaround was astonishing. And then for four years, he basically howled around with Trump yep. and, you know, tried to advance uh, Trump's agenda. And then on, you know, January 6th, after police officers and the Capitol was assaulted and people were marching to try to hang, you know, Mike Pence and, yep. and capture Nancy Pelosi and, you know, possibly, you know, not just disrupt the election and stop the count, but possibly, you know, kill people. Yep. Um, you know, one of the guys I think I recall had those little zip ties that they were yep. walking through the gallery within the house. Um, and then Lindsay, for that moment, in that brief moment, setting up. Yeah, saying, I'm done. I've had enough. I'm, I'm going to cue into it because I have like the three minute clip yeah. here. But let's see. The greatest number of votes for president shall be president. Where in there does it say Mike can say I don't like the results? I want to send them back to the states. I believe there was fraud. Lindsay was a little drunk, the conservatives who believe in the Constitution, now is your chance to stand up and be counted. Originalism, count me in. Yeah. It means I mean, what, I have yeah. a political year. 
Your your library is fantastic. <laughs> I've got <laughs> it all at, the, at my yeah. fingertips. I've I've yeah. got I've got it's clips really going amazing. back ten years, so more. It's amazing, but then of course after after Graham on January sixth, you know, speaks you know, speaks the truth about how extreme this was, what just happened to our country. Now there they all are back, all, you know, doing whatever they can to try and try and stay in Trump's good graces and avoid him unleashing his uh, fan base on them in primaries, um, et cetera. And so the the way that the way these people cower and kowtow to Trump is astonishing. So, you know, I just applaud Personally, I applaud Jamie Raskin oh, for so good. You know, speaking truth about it. And it is the case that like, um, you know, in terms of your uh, the the thing you're going to do with a, a right wing radio yeah. or what have you. Um, I mean, I, I've certainly been impressed with the much of the commentary coming out of the bulwark uh, with Charlie Sykes, which I would not have predicted 10 years ago. No. Um, I've been really grateful for Michael Ludig's the uh, judge oh, yeah. for his clarity um, and consistency. I never thought that I would have, you know, affinity for any Cheney. Um, but, you know, I really appreciate that Liz Cheney um, stood up and was willing to sacrifice her, her congressional seat for our country, for our constitution. Yes. In demanding that we actually have, you know, a bipartisan investigation of this enormous crime against our democracy that Trump perpetuated, not just on January 6th, but leading to it, all the plans and efforts with Eastman and others to try to um, basically in, enact a coup uh, to destroy our democracy. Um, so I think there are certainly allies out there. You know, George Conway has spoken obviously uh -huh. at length. Um, there's been tons of work done by the Lincoln Project. So I think there are certainly people who have stood up to Trump and then there are people who basically just try to enable him. Yes. Uh, try to keep him in power. And um, I, I just can't, I can't reconcile their claims of patriotism with their willingness to actually trash our, our system of government for someone, for anyone, let alone someone who is so venal, um, <sighs> such a liar. So that's what I don't get. That's so what I don't get. Bankrupt. Right. Yeah. I get, you know, people like Marge Q. Green, who just is insufferable. You know, people like that. And James Comer. Wow, what a tool he is. And oh, my God, Scott Perry and Paul Gosar. I mean, some of the people on this oversight committee, I'm watching this hearing this morning. My jaw just drops like how who would elect these people to Congress? Um, Scott Perry or, or Paul Gosar has to be one of the most inarticulate people Ever. Here, let me just play a quick uh, clip with Paul Gosar because he's asked a question and his answer is unintelligible. You know, to the, to the ranking member, you know, what we're cherry this picking is Mr. Lynch. We're cherry picking because if you go back to those uh, individuals we had as witnesses, they all said there doesn't exist that information now, but there exists the potential to be there. And the inquiry is different than an impeachment. It is a search. Okay. It, he said nothing, and he says it in such a horrible, uh, just weird way. Uh, it doesn't, it, without the video, it doesn't come across as bad. But, oh, my God, this guy and his family, he's from Arizona, you know, and his family, even in the last election, went on TV and said, don't vote for him. Our brother is nuts. Um, and yet he's in Congress. Then you have Nancy Mace, and you heard this. You have no balls. He said that to Hunter Biden, you have no balls, uh, to which uh, I think it was um, 
I don't know, somebody on, on the left called her out um, and called out uh, Marge for showing pornography and, and Hunter's dick pics on the stand. And of course, Hunter Biden was there. And when Marge started talking, he got up and left. And she's like, oh, he's afraid of strong women. No, you showed his dick pics on the floor of the house. I mean, the, the incongruity here. I understand the house was always sort of the rowdier of the two chambers, but has it ever devolved to this dick pics and, and you have no balls? Well, you know, let me just pause for a moment and go back to Paul Gosar, who I have to <laughs> remind readers and listeners who I'm sure uh, I'm sure know this, but I just have to say it. I mean, Paul Gosar sought a pardon for his role in uh, what would happen to our nation on January 6th. He didn't get a pardon. Um, I don't think he should be in office under the 14th Amendment. I think he should not be someone who's allowed to pretend to take an oath to our Constitution when he so plainly uh, was willing to forego it, uh, to help Trump. But like, that's a, you know, so let me just say Paul Gosar, uh, you know, uh, he didn't seem that worried at all for himself on January 6th when other members were oh. uh, in peril and worried for their lives. He was there yucking it up yep. uh, as if it was just an, a normal day when it was anything but normal it was the most extraordinary day domestically in politics. But on your question of, um, or your observation of just the coarseness uh, uh, that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and, <laughs> and Mace have displayed. It, it is actually astonishing to me, you know, in a in a legislative body that actually has, a, has had a dress code, you know, like wearing a tie or you, you know, can't have bare arms or like, you know, that there are all these components of decorum. And yet uh, the two of them have spoken just so coarsely from the dais yeah. um, and, and have been willing to, you know, um, like you say, display uh, pictures of body parts. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it really is sort of mind boggling that there's no um, bottom, you know, there's no, there's no bar in essence that they seem unwilling to, you know, to, to, to basically not go there. Right. But I have to say historically, um, there were times in which it was worse in the sense that, you know, the first 10, 20, 30, 40 years of American, uh-huh. uh, American politics under our constitution and with our Congress, there were people who, you know, uh, engaged in duels. Oh, and yes. Shoddy. Right. Well, yeah, yeah there was so, that. <laughs> I forgot. You know, yes. Yeah. Different time. That and, was a long time ago, and I'm glad we're not in that era. But there I was think a they want to take when, us back to it, though. And, and, you know, part of that, part of what was happening in terms of the physical fights on the floor in that in that period, 160, 70 years ago, uh, 60 plus years ago, was about um, slavery. Yeah. And it was about uh, the, the, the desire of people to, um, hold other human beings as slaves, enslave them and, and, and push that westward, um, across the continent and that, you know, others were northerners, uh, were objecting to that, you know, plain violation of our, um, you know, of core human rights and also the expansion, the effort to use the constitution that had this terrible bargain with the devil, uh, to allow um, slavery to continue, but stop, quote, the importation of slaves. But then, um, you know, basically what the South wanted to do was to continue to expand slavery westward so that they could dominate national politics, so that they could control the presidency and control our country um, by, you know, gathering these other new states. And so that did, that 
crisis did uh, provoke a lot of, you know, uh, fighting, physical fighting in the in the Senate and the House uh, in that period, because these were such enormous, um, such an enormous issue of, you know, anyway, but here we are, you know, with, with not this, an issue of that gravity. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're with, we were facing these members from the Republican party who are trying to use an unelected son of a president who had a serious drug issue as, um, a tool to attack and, and suggest the impeachment of the current president, the sitting president based on, you know, the actions of his child, a man, but but his son, who was not elected to anything and who had clearly had serious drug dependency issues. And then they've they've even had the audacity, and I don't know if you have this clip, but like they've had the audacity to mock Biden for for basically trying to help his son get clean. Oh, con- well, constantly. I mean, there are a lot of clips like that. Um, uh, I, I don't have anything specifically from today on that. But they, they're, they, you know, yes, they, they mock Biden. Look, Trump mocked Biden for having a stutter again the other day. I, I mean, these people know no shame. As I said in the description, um, it, it, the, the irony is dead. They, they killed it. Uh, there, you know, you talk about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is off the rails. They they murdered <laughs> irony. It just yeah. It, I mean, yeah. It, not just you know, not you, you. I guess you can get away with murdering irony on Fifth Avenue right. and be held accountable for it. So really, yeah. I I, I mean, uh, it goes on and on. By the way, there's breaking news. Um, Chris Christie has suspended his presidential campaign. Um, I've mixed feelings. I'm no fan of Chris Christie's, but he was the only one up there willing to call Donald Trump out for what he is. So I'm sorry that I I haven't been a fan of his either over time um, for a lot of reasons, but I do commend him for um, in the, you know, in the aftermath of January 6th and in the last, you know, nearly four years uh, in particular in this campaign for these last several months, for him being willing to say publicly that Trump is utterly unworthy of public trust. Completely. And, you know, and that right. means something because um, because so many of these Republicans are unwilling to stand up for the truth or stand up for our Constitution. And they're and they're just willing to basically get behind Trump and maybe they'll become his vice presidential candidate or they'll get some cabinet position or something if he were to win, which, you know, personally, I hope never, ever happens uh ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, uh, I do appreciate that Christie used that platform to say to Republican voters, some of whom didn't want to hear it, that this man, that Trump is not worthy and that he should not be supported. And also, like, I think Trump just disavowed this past week some sort of pledge to not engage in violence or not support violence um, and to support election results. And he refused to take the pledge. It might have been an Illinois pledge or yes. something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's astonishing that 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 there could be a, a candidate for office in America in the 21st century who uh, would not disavow political violence to get his way. Right, and just yesterday, after the he walked out of the hearing, and someone said, "If you know, will you dis- will you dis- will you tell people not to be violent?" And he just kept walking. He wouldn't answer because no, he won't. And as far as you know irony being dead. This hearing today was about 
um, uh, charging Hunter Biden with contempt for not complying with their subpoena, even though he did comply with the subpoena, the original subpoena, where they said you can do it publicly or privately, whichever you want. And then they took it back and they are holding him in contempt for uh, not going along with the subpoena. And then Jared Moskowitz does this today. To my colleagues who talk about lawful subpoenas, I appreciate the the gentlelady from South Carolina who voted to, to hold people in contempt. Listen, I'll, I'll make this bipartisan. I'll vote for the Hunter contempt today. You can get my vote. You can get my vote. But I want you to show the American people that you're serious. Here is the subpoena to Representative Scott Perry, who did Uh-oh. not comply. I'd like to enter yeah. this into the record. Here is the subpoena to Mark Meadows. I'd like to enter this into the record, who did not comply. Here is the subpoena to Jim Jordan, who did not comply Uh-oh. with a lawful subpoena. I'd like to enter that into the record. Here is the subpoena to Mo Brooks, who did not comply. I'd like to enter that into the record. Here is the subpoena to Mr. Biggs, who did not comply. I'd like to enter that into the record. And here's the subpoena to Mr. McCarthy, who did not comply. I'd like to enter that into the record. There's an amendment coming to add some of those names into the contempt order. You vote to add those names and show the American people that we apply the law equally, not just when it's Democrats, right? It's a crime when it's Democrats, but when it's Trump and the Republicans, it's just fine. No, show that you're serious and that everyone is not above the law. Vote for that amendment and I'll vote for the Hunter Biden contempt. (laughs) I yield back. Um, You know, can't argue with it, can you? No, I mean, that was really important to put on the record because they got away with not complying with those subpoenas and just completely ignoring them. And now they act with, I I, I think the, the old school term was high dudgeon uh, at, at the audacity that, that supposedly uh, Hunter Biden, you know, refusing to comply with the subpoena when, as he, as you point out, Nicole, he uh, agreed to the terms that they set. Yes. And then they, then they tried to, and then they sought to change, change them because that's not what they wanted. They didn't want him to comply. They wanted to create theater, which is really, of course, and many of what we're seeing in, in this uh, Republican Congress is they're not really interested in policies that help the American people. They're not interested in policies that help address climate change. They're not interested in policies that address the student debt crisis. They're not interested in actual policies that would help the American people. But what they are interested in is in creating um, theater and talking points for the right wing, uh, you know, outrage machine. Um, and that's really what that's what they are doing. They're not governing. Right. They're enacting uh, or they're acting um, in order to get attention. Well, they're not governing. That's for sure. By the way, someone in the chat room just asked who was that? That was Jared Moskowitz. And I got to say, I've got a sort of a love hate relationship with him. He is my former congressman. He's the one who replaced Ted Deutsch in the district that I lived in, in Florida, who, when he was running, was so sure, you know, he was the anointed one that uh, every other candidate for that office came on my show to talk to me. He wouldn't even return my damn phone calls, which, you know, pisses me off because um, he's a jerk. But you, in this case, the being a jerk works for him. So I'll put it that because the people in the chat room are professing their love for him. I'll tell you personally, he's a twerp and a jerk, but I'm glad he's on our side. Um, by a, a similar thing, but you got to remember, Hunter Biden is a private citizen. All those names that Moskowitz just rattled off were all members of Congress who refused to comply with congressional subpoenas. But some guy, a Republican Congressman Pat Fallon, who I've never heard of, doesn't mean anything, just means I don't know who he is. He made this statement today. I will submit 
that most folks that serve in Congress, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, are not corrupt. They're not on the make. They're not trying to enrich themselves. Hunter Biden is. Hunter Biden is not a member of Congress, you moron. I mean, he says this from the hearing room. I, it, he's on the committee. What, a, what an asinine thing to say. Well, you know, it, it's it, it's astonishing to me that also many of these members who have been um, expressing outrage about uh, or, you know, manufacturing outrage about about Hunter Biden. Oh, they've been silent about uh, getting from public office when it comes to Clarence Thomas and the <laughs> trail of gifts for billionaires and how he has used his public office for private gain to, um, you know, live this very luxurious lifestyle after um, you know, and the the news that broke at the end of this last year from uh, ProPublica that he basically was threatening to leave the court if he didn't have a way to have a better lifestyle, have That's more right. money. And, and they made it so. Go figure. Yeah. All the money came pouring in. Yeah. 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 But these members who uh, expressed such concern about uh, supposed supposedly um, private gain from public office for, from someone, Biden, Hunter, who never was in public office, they've been very silent about the uh, member of the U.S. Supreme Court uh, when there's manifest evidence of how of how right. he has, uh, you know, in essence, in my view, been corrupted and corrupted and tainted the Supreme Court. Exactly. So Lisa Graves, in the few minutes we have left, I've got to bring up tomorrow is the day that the closing arguments begin in the New York civil fraud trial, which it basically has already been decided. The judge found Trump liable. This is really the uh, the the uh, damages, you know, what what the penalty is going to be, because the judge already found him guilty, corrupt uh, fraud. Um, and so here's the legal question for you earlier today. And I read this, uh, the tweet earlier, um, the judge told Trump and his lawyers, uh, no, Trump cannot speak tomorrow during his closing arguments uh, and say anything above and beyond what the um, his lawyers are going to say. He's had three extensions to answer me to say that he will adhere to the the basic guidelines I've set down for such a statement. And since he won't, he will not speak tomorrow. First of all, in a case like this, does the defendant ever speak in his closing arguments? It's exceedingly rare. I, I, I would suspect that it's like possibly point zero zero yeah. zero 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 zero. Right. It doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Now, he could have testified, and he was going to, but then he didn't, right? Supposedly. Supposedly. And then he didn't, but now he wants to make a statement to which he can't be cross-examined. And so the judge said, well, here are the guidelines. I'm sure he said, you can't lie. You can't say the election was stolen. You can't do this. You can't do that. And now the and now and Donald Trump had three extensions to answer that. And didn't. So the judge said, forget it. He's not speaking tomorrow. Um, And and so the closing arguments are tomorrow. There is no jury. Right. The judge gets to decide the damages as well. Well, I was going to say, I I read the um, exchange about what the rules were and the rules were reasonable. The fact that that he was willing to allow Trump to, you know, play this role alongside his attorneys. But he said, you have to stick to the attorney's arguments. You can't bring in extraneous claims uh, ah. that don't relate to the 
uh, to the case at hand and you can't, you can't attack my law clerk or me personally, <laughs> like you can't, you know, do this sort of stuff he's been doing outside the courtroom, which, you know, has been actually put the lives of those uh, court personnel in danger from some of his more unhinged followers, it, it sounds like. Um, and so he, those were very reasonable rules to to allow him to make a statement if he wanted to, you know, address these issues directly. Um, and like you said, he um, they did not comply with the final sort of extension on the deadline on that. They claimed that it was vague you know, ambiguous that he, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't understand what was in and what was out. But, you know, if you can't understand what's in and what's out relating to your fraud trial, then maybe you shouldn't be president of the United Hello. States. You, can, you and, know, he you also, know, Lisa, it's sorry, an aside. He also said that, oh, he wasn't aware that trying to overturn a free and fair election was illegal. If, yeah, if I mean, that's I, true, I, if he point. did, if he didn't know that, then he shouldn't be president. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I do think that uh, at a, not a minimum, because this seems to like, but you ought to actually read the whole constitution that you take an oath to uphold. Right. And it's clear, that, it's so clear that he has never read the constitution, no. doesn't care what's in it, no. doesn't care what it says, not the, you know, not what the first one says, not what the fourth amendment says, not what, you know, he, he, he does not care for any rule or law that he, that goes against his, his, you know, desire, his will. Um, it's like, it's like dealing with some sort of cross between, you know, a, an impetuous child and an impetuous king yeah. who just thinks he can do whatever he wants. Now, to be fair, you know, we've seen this rise of these billionaire sort of hedge fund guys who take over businesses and just think, because I say so, it should be this way and the world should be the way they want. But that's not actually how a democracy should work. No, but, but, should work. but about yeah. an oligarchy, because you got someone like Elon Musk who thinks exactly that I've got enough money. Right. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. I mean that, and that is the, that, and, and the problem, you know, the problem is a, they're infallible B um, the fact that they're really good at making or hoarding money doesn't mean they're good at making decisions about public policy or uh, respecting people's rights. And in fact, the bubble that surrounds someone of that wealth is just extraordinary because who's going to cross them? They'll just be fired. Yes. They don't get real information. They just get people who say yes, yes, sir, you know, yes, whatever you want. And you don't need someone in any position of power who is that basically can act with impunity or near impunity. Right. That's a recipe for tyranny. And that's what, you know, we see in the Trump scenario, but we also see in some of these other uh, these other examples that you mentioned, Nicole. Yeah, you know, so we're, we're, we're coming to the end of the hour, Lisa. So back to my question that I don't, I don't know if you answered. Do you know if the judge, uh, what's his name, Erd Erdogan? Erd I, I keep confusing him with Erdogan. If he gets to decide what the penalty is because this is not a jury trial? Uh, my, under my understanding is that it is, um, you know, it, it is uh, up to him um, but I have to actually double check just to make sure that, you know, something didn't change in the process, that there's not some other procedure or, you know, that I haven't, uh, I haven't been tracking the daily proceedings in that court. I've just been reading the, you know, statements from the judge and the statements from, uh, from the parties. But, um, you know, it, it's extraordinary in this case, as well as some of the other cases, like with the E. Jean Carroll case where, you know, uh, due to the lawyers or the actions of some of his lawyers, um, Trump has been in this phase two 
mm-hmm. of proceedings versus the phase one of proceedings. And so, um, yeah, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I, de- I, I pledge to look into all your questions, Nicole, cool. and get back to you next time we awesome. talk. Awesome. And hopefully it will be in the, in the next week or two, because Lisa, I love having you on. And right now there are so many legal questions. Um, and, and, you know, you're, you're the most informed person I know when it comes to the law. And I love having well, you that's, on. That's, as that's a very generous statement. Well, I appreciate true. that. But it's an honor to be on your show, Nicole. And it's always an honor to have you here. Lisa Graves, check out her day work. Uh, which is, you know, more official. What she does here is her personal, as a personal private citizen, she gives her opinions. Um, But her day job is running True North Research. They're at truenorthresearch.org. They're doing amazing work, like Lisa's always done, telling us about ALEC, about the Koch brothers, about Leonard Leo, about all these groups who are working to upend democracy, and Lisa, you've been at the forefront of that kind of work for the couple of decades or so that I've known you and, and you continue doing that work. And uh, you need a lot of um, thanks for that. You deserve a lot of oh, thanks for I, that. I appreciate that. But it is a joy to come on your show and be able to, you know, in essence, let my hair down and, and speak my personal views and not organizational views. So yes. thanks for giving me this forum to have these dialogues with you. And uh, again, just deeply appreciate how prepared you always are, Nicole. Uh, for all the topics that you're talking about day in and day out when I'm not on, you know, like you are on this day in and day out. And I just really appreciate the service you provide to the American people with your uh, tremendous, you know, work to enlighten people about what's happening. Thank you so much, Lisa. We'll, we'll talk again soon and, and uh, take care of that cold tea and honey, chicken soup. You know, <laughs> we'll do. Thanks. Okay, bye bye. Thank you. Uh, and with that, we are done. That's a um, what's today? Wednesday. Uh, tomorrow, Howie Klein returns. He's uh, you know, he usually takes off to, you know, while for the holidays. You know, Howie has been doing this show for like over a dozen years already probably longer than that. I just, I'm trying to round it, <laughs> round it out. Um, uh, but so Howie, I know uh, he's home, but he d- did travel to India. So we'll have to ask him about his trip to India. I think it was his first trip since the, um, uh, since, since COVID. Uh, so we'll, we'll find out about that. And, and again, on uh, Friday, Marcy Wheeler. So, um, we keep the information flowing. At least we try to. All right. With that, I will uh, let you go and stick a fork in this Wednesday show. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you. Those of you who support the show financially, I apologize to the people, you know, in YouTube for the ads, but look, I do not have a, a, a paywall up. Anybody can listen to this show. You can share any episodes. You can go to the website, NicoleSandler.com that has, you know, everything there's so you could you can get lost in that rabbit hole and there there's no paywall so enjoy and share it and if you are um in a position that you can i hope you'll you know click on the donate button and help us out all right tomorrow howie klein and until then uh i think there there's another debate tonight a republican debate it's down to nikki haley and ron DeSantis. will anybody watch I don't think so. All right. See you tomorrow. Peace out.